But if you can just get back to fighting and get your spiritual strap, which is the word of God, and go back after the enemy. And the Bible says no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Which is in the king's bill. 
And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of the heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which has delivered thy enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. I want to focus on this. And this is what the Lord told me to tell you. I want you to turn to somebody. And if you don't sit next to anybody, just on social media, write it real quick. And tell them, finally, it's here. Finally, finally it's here. here. Yeah, finally, finally it's here. If that don't do it for you, just tag somebody and say winning season. Yeah, winning, winning season. season. You know, yeah. I, I give it to Moses because Moses embarks in a delicate task, a really complicated feat, if you will, to ascribe the word of God when there is no word of God. Yeah. Trying to manage data and historical events while establishing a societal policy and socio-political climate, then enabling a theological framework, and then actually believing that his words are the word or is the word of God, that his words would become canon. You know, there is a debate that Moses is one of the few, if not the only one, who actually believed his writings would become canonized, and that the other um, minus 559, depending on which canon you adhere to a moral subject for debate. But Moses does something that no other writer before him has attempted, no any other writer after him could measure up to. He declares how to win where there is no blueprint. And I think that is spectacular because I've lived long enough to realize you can't find a scripture for everything. And there isn't a prophetic conference for every problem. And there isn't an, an amazing and an anointed bottle of oil for every dilemma that you go through. You're going to have to believe God when you can't find a word. When you can't pray a word out. When nobody is calling for you. When your favorite Facebook prophet isn't getting on at 7 p.m. just to tell you you're going to make it. You're going to have to have enough trust in God to know that God is still God regardless of who prophesies or attempts to prophesy live. Who shows up for service and who doesn't show up for service and who calls your name and who doesn't call your name. You're going to have to know that what God has told you will come to pass. Oh, yeah. And I like this writing. I like this. Moses goes on and declares and he starts writing uh, because there is no Bible. And I like to put that there because sometimes we get so enamored with it and we should because I believe the Bible to be the only spouse the only fellow written word of God. Holy and exalted and exuberant and without error and error. And we put this in our doctrine but there was a time where there was no Bible. And God was still God then. And if they take Bibles away, God still going to be God then. And you're going to have to know for yourself the God of whom you serve. So he starts writing about this progenitor, this person who is famous, this person who has caught his attention. And what I like about Abram, Abram doesn't need a title. I'll say that again. Abram doesn't need a title. Yeah. I think we have gotten so fixated on titles that we'd rather have the title 
than the anointing. Abraham's not a bishop. Abraham isn't a reverend. Abraham isn't an elder. Abraham isn't a minister. Abraham isn't a deacon. He doesn't serve on the youth committee. He's not on the executive leadership team. He's not on the missionary team. He's not an evangelist. He's just somebody who believes Yahweh when the world decided not to. And in this day and age, God ain't concerned about your title. He's concerned about your faith. Whom do you believe in and whom do you serve? Because the favor of God is going to rest on them that believe. Unfortunately, your title I know we like to think so. I know we like to think, you know, well, hey, look, I've been serving a while, and you know, you know, I had David on yesterday on my podcast, and I know we treat the eldership like an internship. And after so many years, we think, well, we ain't called to pastor, you know, they don't they just sitting on my anointing. But the reality is, God is looking for somebody who is just faithful. You don't care. You don't care if you've been an elder since 1997, you've been grandfathered in, or you just got a day last week. If you're not faithful, he ain't gonna use you. God wanted you somebody who will show when it's cold, when it's wet, when the temperature is negative 10, or when it's 45 and raining. As long as you're there, he can work with you. And I'm so glad he'd rather have you faithful than perfect. All right. That's it. God wants somebody faithful. Tell your neighbor, he wants somebody faithful. So the first thing is, he chooses Abram. And Abram is unique. He was unique in his fame because unlike the other I would say characters particularly in the Old Testament Abram is somebody that gets recognized from his peers and not from the pulpit. Abram's legend speaks value of him that non-canonical and non-Jewish writers write about the existence of Abram. If you, you keep reading it was uh, Abram who Josephus says that what made Abram so unique is that he kept telling them about this one and true living God. That this God was most high God. He wasn't just the most high. He was the only God. That Yahweh was the same God that delivered them from the flood. And he kept telling them to the point that they got mad. And if you read the Midrash and the Talmud, they said they got so mad at Abraham that they went to take his family, and they end up killing Haran, and that's why Abram had to leave Haran, they end up throwing his brother in the fire, and that's when you read when God spoke to Abram, said, get from your kinfolk, and go into a land that I'm showing you, because one thing about it, when you say, folk gonna find out, I don't believe no more in this closet Christianity. We don't know if you saved or not. Look, I know you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. I ain't even gonna pretend to be. But if you hang around me long enough, you're gonna know there's some things I do and some things I don't do. There's some places I go and some places I don't go. There's music I just don't listen to. Not just because it's not a sin, just because it's not good for my mind. Something about being saved gonna rub off on you and gonna tell for you. Folks don't have to guess where you stand. I'm scared of a church where I gotta guess if you saved or not. I can't get near you because I think you're gonna bite my head off. The devil is a lie. Not for this mean Christianity. One thing about it, when you got Jesus on the inside, you're gonna speak to somebody. You might be having a bad day, but eventually you're gonna say, you know what, I was wrong. Please forgive me. I'm afraid of a church who doesn't repent. Every now and then you need to send a message to somebody and say, I messed up. Walk by, will you forgive me, brother? Will you forgive me, sister? Because if you love Jesus the way you say you do, you will 
And Abram is noted for that. Yeah. The that says, and he's a man of science. He's a man of natural science and celestial science. He's a man of space and time. And his notoriety becomes noise abroad. He speaks in terms of astronomical physics. And I like that because uh, God has a place for academia. Sometimes we like to think that the more knowledge you gain, the further you get away from God. But that's the furthest from the truth. His knowledge is so profound that the third century Babylonian historian Beryl says that in the 10th generation after the flood, there was a man among the Chaldeans, and this man was righteous and skillful in science. The Greek historian who served Zeus and other gods, the pantheon of the Greek culture, said that there was a man that left Ur in the uh, 20th century, and his name was Abram, and the book was written about him. His writings, his impact was so profound that his enemies took notice. One thing about it is we got to get beyond the four walls. What is the world saying about you? Yeah, yeah. We can't just have church. We got to give them the church. All right. And I believe in this last days, we're going to take the fight to them. Yeah, They're not going to be the ones just producing content. And we say, I can't believe they put that in the children's movie. No, God is raising up Christian content creators. We're going to have our own media and our own TV yeah, show. Because yeah. the world needs to see something different. Yeah, it's yeah. easy to criticize. It's another thing to take the initiative and say, we're going to create the alternative so that they know that Jesus is real and he's on his way back. So Abraham is noted. He's noted by other historians. His historical significance is without debate. And then something happens that leaves Abraham kind of in a flux. A war breaks out. A war for control of the Middle East. Between nine nations. Between the king of Sodom, Gomorrah, the king of Bela, the king of Adma. Yeah. And the Bible says five against four. It's for literally land control. All the way from east of Egypt where the Palestinians are now fighting now. All the way into Iraq. That whole Middle Eastern corridor is inhabited. And the war is so bad that it leaves the kings broke. And the only one who had any type of possessions was Lot. Now, I don't say this. The reality is Lot had no business being in Sodom. Right. <laughs> but God knows yeah. where you are. Yeah. And God uses the capture of Lot to get Abram's attention. A couple things stuck out to me. The, second, the point I want to make is that the enemy never fights you head on. He fights you where you're most vulnerable. Mm. The enemy knows that he couldn't attack Abraham. The Bible says that Abraham had a household of over 300 people, 318 in the King James Version. Right. Exactly. They couldn't just tackle Abraham. Abraham was chilling in memory. He was in a land that literally means fat. Abraham was prospering. Yeah, yeah, Him and Sarai yeah. and his household, but his nephew Iran's son was in Sodom and he knew the only way I can get to you is to attack the one you love because I got to remind you of what I used to do to you and what I've done and the job of the enemy is to bring up memories to keep you captive. The Bible says that one escaped and told Abraham what was happening in the Bible. Once it says not Abraham's nephew but Abraham's brother was captured because the enemy was reminding you of what I used to do to you. If he can get you in the same mindset and in the same psyche 
of what you used to be, what you used to drink, what you used to hang with, who you used to be with, who you used to sleep with. The job of the enemy is to keep you in your past. But I came tonight to let you know you are free from your past. So the enemy is trying to capture Lot. And Abraham is mad. I mean, he's mad. And the Bible says he tells them he arms his whole household. And I like about that. He didn't wait for a prophet. He didn't wait for a word of God. He said, we're going to get him tonight. I wrote in my notes, tell your neighbor, get the strap. We're going to get him tonight. Go get it. Go get it. Go get it. You got to have that mindset. Go get the strap. Because you ain't going to come up in here and just wreak havoc over my life. You're not going to come up in here and give me a bad doctor's report. You're not going to come over here and just allow me to be homeless. You're not going to come over here and cause confusion between them all. You're not going to come over here and destroy the relationships that we worked hard for. You might have enough audacity to say, get the strap, get the strap, get the strap. I need you to tell somebody and tell you, God is arming you right now. And I need you to tell them to get the strap. The Bible says that Abraham went by night and he took the whole host. He didn't wait for them to get strong. He didn't wait for them to get a strategy. He didn't wait for them to even uh, formulate an opinion. He came to them when they least expected it. Because the enemy is counting on you to quit. He figures, if I got what you love, you won't come after me. Because I know where you're vulnerable. But if you can just get back to fighting and get your spiritual strap, which is the word of God, and go back after the enemy. And the Bible says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Learn how to hit the enemy back with his own goods and go back and start going after them. And then the other thing, as the leader of your house, everybody's got to follow your command. Enough of this renegade spirit. 2024 and beyond, we're going to follow who God has set up. Because you can't win if the leader don't win. And the problem with a lot of us is you over here trying to lead this army, this person over here, and you ain't got 10 together. But if my 10 join your 10, and your 10 joins my 10, we can put a thousand to fight, and two can chase 10,000. And I'm telling you, we're going to get our stuff back.
and declares this over Abraham and says this, he praises Abraham, not the other way around. When God can praise himself for you, that's when you know you're doing something. He said, blessed be Abraham, possessor of heaven and earth. Turn your name and say, well, God is about to do for you. God gonna start bragging on you. You think you can out praise God? God got a praise on the inside because you're His child, and like every proud daddy, He's telling His dog and He's telling His son to go on because He believes in you and He's got more in store for you. So Melchizedek runs out there and he breaks. Dispensations. He breaks theophonic uh, mandates, I guess, and he communes with Abraham. And the Bible says he gives Abraham bread and wine. Yeah. And I thought about. I said, bread and wine. That sounds like communion to me. <laughs> but you don't go to the cross for at least another two thousand years. Thinking that God gonna speed that thing up. That's what it is. That's what it is. God is willing to break a rule just for you. And what should have took some more time. God is speed it up just because He is God. And the Bible says that when they broke bread and wine, Abraham had so much that he gave a tithe of all he had. I'm telling you this next lesson from God. Is gonna make you want to be air in the church. Yes. When we call that third Sunday line, yes. you're gonna be the first one to run yes. to it. Yes. You're gonna be like, Pastor, I already got it. Because I see the vision. Yes. I'm telling you, God told me to tell you. Yes. He's not gonna let you die here. And I know the enemies are trying to get to your stuff. Yes. They're trying to hit you in your most horrible. Yes. Trying to go to the lights in your life, in the sins in your life.
that he went from rich to a problem that money couldn't solve. The next thing is the next chapter God deals with barrenness. I told myself I wasn't good. But I'm telling you, God is moving you from empty to full. And it was that you didn't have enough. But now it's about feeling what should have already been filled. The Bible says that after this, the Lord gave him a vision while he was under the oak tree. And he told Abraham about Sarai being married. And I'm coming to tell you that God remembers what you prayed on last year. And what you prayed in 2022. And 2021. And 2020. But he's moving you because he's breaking a rule. That he's taking you from your guns being stolen to now having more than enough. And from having more than enough to no longer being buried. God is concerned about you. And he doesn't forget anything. All God wanted to do was to see how you was going to respond.
My mom does this on the phone. She says, all right. 